0: And today's title is going to be, don't look right, be right. Don't look right, be right. When I was younger, I was told a phrase that I listened to and I believed for a really long time, and maybe you have as well, and that is this, whenever you're doing something and you don't feel like you're qualified, fake it till you make it. You ever heard that phrase? Fake it till you make it. Well, when I was just getting started in life, I thought that was a great phrase because I didn't feel very qualified to do anything. (laughs) So I just kind of faked it. Well, the problem with that was, is you can only fake it so long. And at some point, something's going to happen that's going to reveal who you truly are. You go work for a business and you act like you're qualified and you act like you've got it. Well, eventually you're going to come across something you don't know how to do, and you're going to look like what you are. And that is a liar. (laughs) Turns out you didn't know how to do that. Or what's going to happen is, is eventually you're going to have a day that's going to reveal your true character. And so what I've started to learn, been a very slow and hard lesson, is that the goal is not to fake it until you make it. The goal is to be the right kind of person, to slowly and consistently develop the right kind of qualities, the right kind of attributes, the right kind of character, so that when it matters the most, you don't fall apart, but you step up. We're gonna talk about that today as we get into God's word. But before we do that, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment. Have you ever heard someone say, all you gotta do is fake it till you make it? Has that phrase helped you in the long run? I know it helps most people in the short run, In the long run, has it helped you? If so, give us a story. Maybe I'm wrong. If you like the podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. And if you don't mind, if you're listening to the podcast, by the way, you're my favorites, (laughs) make sure you take just a moment and go to the comment and leave us a comment of how you're engaging with God's word and how you would encourage other people to do the same. Also, for everybody, make sure we are gathering together at the Bible Breakdown Facebook group. It is a wonderful place for us to exchange ideas and to grow in God together. Because I'm going to tell you something, the more we dig, the more we find. And so if you've got your Bibles, you want to open up with me to 2 Samuel chapter 3. The idea behind faking it until you make it. I heard someone say this one time. The best thing is to not look for, to, for promotion. Look to be promotable. In other words, don't try to get ahead. Try to be the right kind of person. Because acting the part will only get you apart. <laughs> Being the person is what long-term sustainable success actually looks like? Well, what we're going to see today is things are starting to get a little crazy in the life of David as he is slowly becoming more powerful and Saul's dynasty is getting weaker and weaker. Eventually some things happen and we're going to see this that start to turn a little bit here and there. But remember what happened yesterday. Yesterday when we were reading for 2 Samuel chapter 2, the Bible said that Abner was the main guy, the general of Saul's son, Isbosheth's army. Joab is the commander of David's army, and they are not friends, right? They are fighting against each other, especially now because Abner killed Joab's brother. So vengeance is required. Well, we're gonna see what happens. I'm not gonna spoil it for you. We're gonna see what happens, and then watch how David responds, and then watch what happens because of it. And we're gonna look at the idea of don't say the right things, be the right kind of person, and watch what happens. You ready? Here we go. 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 says, That was the beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those loyal to David. As time passed, David became stronger and stronger, while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. These are the sons that were born to David of Hebron. The oldest was Ammon, whose mother was Ahinoam of Jezreel. The second was Daniel. Whose mother was Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. The third was Absalom, whose mother was Machach, and the daughter of Talami, the king of Jeshur. Remember the name Absalom, because he's got a lot more to do in this story. All right. Verse four The fourth was Adonash, whose mother was Haggath. The fifth was Shepteth, the mother, whose mother was Abital. And the sixth was Ithrium, whose mother was Igla, David's wife. Now, remember. What the Bible reports, it doesn't always support. If you notice there, that's more than one wife. And while that was common in culture, God never promoted polygamy in any kind of way. Yes, it was part of the culture, but it was never God's design or desire. And what God's word does is you can constantly see how that doesn't work out (laughs) for people. Let's keep going. These sons were all born to David while in Hebron. So while he was king of just Judah, that's when he had all these kids. Verse 6, as the war between the house of Saul and the house of David went on, Abner became a powerful leader among those loyal to Saul. One day, Isboseth, Saul's son, accused Abner of sleeping with one of his father's concubines, the woman named Rizpah, daughter of Aiah. Abner was furious. Am I? Some Judean dog to be kicked around like this, he shouted. After all I have done for your father Saul and his family and friends by not handing you over to David, this is my reward? That you find fault with me about this woman? May God strike me and even kill me if I don't do everything I can to help David get what the Lord has promised him. I'm going to take Saul's kingdom and give it to David. I will establish the throne of David over Israel as well as Judah." all the way from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. Isposheth didn't dare say another word because he was afraid of what Abner might do. Now pause. You know Abner is no joke when the king is being quiet. It's like, uh uh-uh, don't mess with Abner. (laughs) This joker is no joke. All right, verse 12. Then Abner sent messengers to David saying, Doesn't the entire land belong to you? Make a solemn pact with me, and I will help. Turn all of Israel over to you. All right, David replied. But I will not negotiate with you unless you bring back my wife Michal, Saul's daughter. When you come, David sent messengers to Isbosheth, Saul's son. Give me back my wife Michach, for I bought her. Or I bought her with the lives of a hundred Philistines. If you remember back, when that was happening, Saul said, "You can have my daughter your wife if you'll bring me a hundred Philistine foreskins." He brought two hundred. And that's gross. All right. Verse 15. So Isboshe took Mechach away from her husband, Palti, son of Laish. Palti followed along behind her as far as Beharim, weeping as he went. Isn't that super sad? Then Abner told him, go on back. So Palti returned. It's like super sad. But here we go. Verse 17. Meanwhile, Abner had consulted with the elders of Israel. For some time now, he told them, you have wanted to make David your king. Now is the time. For the Lord has said, I have chosen David to save my people Israel from the hands of the Philistines and from all their enemies. Abner also spoke with the men of Benjamin. Then he went to Hebron to tell David that all the people of Israel and Benjamin had agreed to support him. When Abner and 20 of his men came to Hebron, David entertained them with a great feast. Then Abner said to David, let me go and call an assembly of all Israel to support my Lord, the king, and they will make a covenant with you to make you their king. And you will rule over everything your heart desires. So David sent Abner to safe, uh, safely away. So, wait, let me say that again. So David sent Abner safely on his way. But now watch what happens. But just after David had sent Abner away in safety, Joab and some of David's troops returned from a raid, bringing much plunder with them. When Joab arrived, he was told that Abner had just been there visiting the king and he had sent him away in safety. Joab rushed to the king and demanded, What have you done? What did you mean by letting Abner get away? You know perfectly well that he came here to spy on you and to find out everything you're doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers to catch up with him and asking him to return. They found him at the well of Sirah and brought him back, though David knew nothing about it. When Abner arrived back at Hebron, Joab took him aside in the, uh, at the gateway as if to speak to him privately. But then he stabbed Ebner, Abner in the stomach and killed him in revenge for killing his brother Azahel. When David heard about it, he declared, I vow by the Lord that I and my kingdom are forever innocent of this crime against Abner, son of Ner. Joab and his family are the guilty ones. May the family of Joab be cursed in every generation with a man who has open sores of leprosy or walks on crutches or dies by the sword or begs for food. Lord help us. So Joab and his brother Abishai killed Abner because Abner had killed their brother Azahel at the battle of Gibeon. So here's the thing. It wouldn't have been as big a deal if they'd have been in war and it happened. But to kill Abner as an innocent noncombatant, that's not... That's not a righteous death. That's murder. And that's why David is so upset. He came in peace and you killed him. All right, verse 31. Then David said to Joab and all the men who were with him, tear your clothes and put on burlap. Mourn for Abner. And King David himself walked behind the procession to the grave. They buried Abner in Hebron and the king and all the people wept at his graveside. Then the king sang this funeral song for Abner. Should Abner have died as fools die? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not chained. No, you were murdered, the victim of a wicked plot. And all the people wept again for Abner. And David refused to eat on the day of the funeral. And now everyone, even though everyone begged him to eat, but David made a vow saying, may God strike me and even kill me if I ate anything before sundown. And here it is. This pleased the people very much. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. So everyone in Judah and all Israel understood that David was not responsible for Abner's death. And then King David said to the officials, don't you realize that a great commander has fallen today in Israel? Even though I am anointed king, these two sons of Zariah, Joab and Abishai, they are too strong for me to control. So may the Lord repay these evil men for their evil deeds. Remember the title is don't just look right, be right. And here's the thing. The thing about trouble is that it reveals hearts. It's easy to look good when everything's going well. It's easy to put on a brave face. It's easy to look holy and righteous on Sunday morning sitting in church. But what about Thursday afternoon when the boss calls you in and he chews you out for something you didn't even do? Then it's hard to love Jesus. It's hard to say, well, the Lord's going to have his way. (laughs) Instead, we're calling for vengeance. Don't kill him, Lord. Just hurt him real bad, you know? But here's the thing. Don't act right. Be right. I want to encourage you to think of something a little different. Don't strive to fake it till you make it. Because that's trying to put a cheat code on life and it doesn't really work. Instead, don't view or don't look for promotion. Look to be promotable. Instead, focus on doing what you can do. Take the long road of faithfulness and watch what happens. What's actually going to happen is when you do the right thing for the right reason, because it's the right thing to do, it may seem like it will set you back for a little while, but in the end, it will help you move forward over time. God's got a plan for your life. And here's the thing. Nothing can frustrate God's plan for your life. If God wants you to do something, he's going to get you there. It may take longer than you expected. It will likely be harder than you imagined, but God always qualifies the cult. So you don't have to fake it. You don't have to be in a hurry. Instead, do the right thing at the right time for the right reason, and God will always point you in the right direction. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you're in control and that you know us. God, it's so easy to get impatient, to get worried to wonder if we have what it takes or to wonder if we're running out of time or all these different things. But God, we know that you are for us and you are with us more than we can imagine. I pray you will encourage us to take the long road of faithfulness and watch what you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And well, don't forget what God promised David in 2 Samuel chapter seven, when it said, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, ever. God's got a plan for your life. And it's not just temporary. It's for you to be with him for all of eternity. God loves you, and he's qualifying you to do great things for him. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 2 Samuel chapter 4.